right, we're back with another episode of the Saxo Market Call. And uh, unfortunately, today, Oscar couldn't join. So I will be a one-man show on equities. That's fine enough. Let's see whether I can be funny or maybe we'll just change the tone a little bit here. I, I've actually planned to go a little bit more up into the helicopter and, you know, not so much talk about individual stocks. We'll take, talk about one, though. But we're going to talk about three themes. So electric vehicles and oil demand a recession or not, and then ADN Investor Day. So that those are the topics of today. And um, if we start with the electric vehicles versus oil demand, I think this, this is a very interesting topic because we have Brent crude down 18% from the peak, um, which we had in in late, um, very recently, um, when OPEC Plus is cutting production, mostly or predominantly Saudi Arabia, um, so 18%, that's a lot. Um, lower energy co- uh, lo- lower energy prices there. And um, a lot of lot of issues around, you know, how much of this is from driven by from the supply side versus the demand. And um, some of the recent figures from China has definitely been uh, taking some risk sentiment out of the oil market. But there's also, and I've, I've been talking about this subject for quite some time, um, it is not the biggest driver yet, but it's an under- Line dynamic, I think, is very important to understand, and is the, um, you know, the expansion uh, of production of electric vehicles, specifically battery electric vehicles. So um, I just updated the numbers from Q3, and here are a little bit of a takeaway from that. I'll, I'll be writing a, a research note, which will be out on our trading platform, but also on analysis.saxo for the wider public. Um, if you take the current production or delivery numbers, we just crossed 1.6 million, almost 1.7 million battery electric vehicles from the major um, the major manufacturers in the world. Uh, I'm not tracking all of them. I'm tracking the most important ones. And some of them have very, um, it's very difficult to find the numbers on some of them. And, and that's some of the uh, Chinese uh, EV makers. But nevertheless, Almost 1.7 million in a single quarter. Um, Bloomberg's uh, new energy finance group has an estimate of 10 million battery electric vehicles deliveries this year. If you look at the the group that I'm tracking, and you take the growth decay in those deliveries, and then you you sort of expand it into 2025, then by Q4 2025, the cumulative Battery electric vehicles delivered globally over those you know, previous five uh, five years would equate to a reduction of one million barrels per day of crude oil, because you know it's crude oil you're not consuming. So we're beginning to get closer to this moment, I think. And just for record, what is one million barrels of uh, crude oil per day? What is that equivalent to? So the current oil demand is around a hundred million. Um, bar- million barrels per day. So that would equate to a 1% extra demand we would have had in the global market. And you, you might be wondering, you know, is, is it 1%, is that much or not? Well, it's actually enough to move the needle quite uh, quite a bit because, you know, this is a very well-calibrated market in terms of uh, supply and demand. So 1% is a lot. Um, so this is really something to to have, uh, have uh, some attention to. Um, and I think it's also one of the reasons why Saudi Arabia is so keen on transforming their economy. I mean, this trend is galloping with a rapid pace. And you know, if we take the Bloomberg New Energy Finance estimates, then already by 2040, 
it might even be too conservative, but let's say somewhere between 2035 and 2040, the vast majority of new cars sold, passenger cars, will be uh, battery electric vehicles. The technology is expanding rapidly um, into vans and trucks. Um, even very heavy trucks um, is most likely going to be electric or at least uh, hydrogen fuel based. And if you, I mean, the, the big splash FT article recently from Toyota uh, saying that they most likely have cracked the code on doing mass scale manufacturing of solid state batteries, which are even more energy dense than the lithium ion batteries that we're using today. So they will be able to deliver faster recharging and, you know, significantly increasing in mileage from a full battery. That a game changer that could, uh, could, you know, could change the the forward predictions, or sorry, the predictions of the um, Bloomberg New Energy Finance, so that it happens even faster. So I, I think that uh, Saudi Arabia is one of those oil producing countries that are really well aware of where we are moving, and they are in a hurry to transform their economy. One final observation from those uh, Q3 numbers on electric vehicles that I updated, I, I noted that you know it was another quarter where Tesla's market share globally uh, declined. So if we take the brands that we're tracking, so these are rough estimates. Don't don't take them as you know as the you know the absolute truth. So so it's the direction that is more important here. Forty one percent market share for Tesla in Q one of two thousand twenty one. That has declined to twenty six percent in Q three of two thousand and twenty three. And then you might be asking, well, Peter, what do I why do I need to know these market share numbers because you know, all I care about is that just Tesla is delivering more vehicles. That is what is supporting and driving the share price. And that's that's correct. But keep in mind that the uh, the Tesla has an extremely high valuation for the simple reason that the majority of the value of the company cannot be discounted from its operations today. So it's coming from future growth of the business. And some of the estimates that are being done is that the way you you sort of and and Athworth uh, Damodaran, the the New York finance professor, recently wrote about Tesla. And one of the key input factors he he has actually a very complicated uh, spreadsheet for this. But one of the key important uh, factors here is that what is the long term market share of Tesla? And just to give you a reference point, um, you have Volkswagen and Toyota, roughly producing ten million cars, a little bit more, both of them equating to a global market share of around 10%. So these are the two giants currently in the internal combustion engine market and the overall car market. So when, so in order to justify Tesla's uh, valuation, assuming you know margins more or less stay the same in the industry, same capital requirement, yada, 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 then 26% is what you, then at around 2025, those are the market share estimates in the future that I've seen being referenced as the, the key yardstick to get to the discounted value, get to the present value of Tesla today. So this is why this is very important. If this market share continues to decline, um, that obviously could have an impact on, on on Tesla's market share. And then there's the whole the whole dynamics of um, of the margins. Okay, the second topic I want to talk about today uh, is a recession or not. I've just I've just been just been writing actually, and, and a small note on this. It's more a macro note than it's an, an equity note, but obviously it's important for equities because equities basically is an asset class that taps into productivity growth. And as long as the economy is not in a recession and you have a normal functioning economy, earnings growth, revenue growth, um, stock prices continue to go higher. So the question of whether you have a recession or not 
is important. Uh, sorry, important, especially for those that are thinking about uh, hedging out market risk from their portfolios, or want to reduce equity exposure when there is uncertain uncertainty or a recession incoming. For the very very long term investor, it probably doesn't matter that much whether there is a recession or not because the the uh, Modus operandi is I never sell my shares regardless of what happened happening in the economy. But so, but it's still important. And I think it's an interesting topic to discuss. Where is the economy? Where are we moving? So I looked at the U.S. leading index and I looked at previous recessions. So the previous five recessions since 1978 uh, in the U.S. and I looked at um, what was the trend and development in economic activity and when did we hit a recession from that peak? So the U.S. leading index or index of leading indicators, it peaked in December 2021 and has been going down ever since. And the U.S. economy has actually remained remarkably resilient and robust. That has been the big conundrum in 2023. The main factors obviously have been, as we have talked about on this podcast before, the massive fiscal impulse from the Biden administration, one. Two, a, a rather significant investment boom, first by the U.S. CHIPS Act, reshoring of semiconductors. We all seen the charts where everything's just going uh, ballistic in terms of uh, manufacturing uh, capacity investments. And then the final the final factor was the generative AI has also caused uh, you know, a significant boost, but most importantly, a boost to long-term expectations for productivity growth. Um, I'll get back to that point uh, very shortly. So right now, we have never seen, we're 23, 23 months into this cycle where you have the U.S. leading index declining from its peak. The U.S. economy since 1978 has never been this strong, this far into this cycle, such a cycle. That's very important to understand. The cycle, though, the path we have taken is remarkably similar, both in length and in, in the sort of levels of economic activity to the one we had going into the great financial crisis. I'm not making a parallel there that will have the same severity, Although there are a lot of central, uh, sorry, uh, hedge funds talking about, well, a debt crisis is brewing because of the the interest rate shock we've got with the level of, of debt we have in the economy, and that the U.S. Uh, government debt situation is becoming rather unsustainable. That's also why we have this repricing in the bond market. The bond market is basically getting a little bit nervous here around the situation on the U.S. Uh, debt. So, um. I think the next six to nine months is going to be super important. So we can pay, we can basically take two paths from here. One path is we slip into a recession and potentially we'll get some type of a debt crisis light potentially. Um, that That's one path. The other path is that this, econo- this economic cycle is just extremely unique. It's unusual and it does end up in a soft landing. And then the, U- and then the US economy accelerates one more, once more and we get you know, an inflation wave more. If that's the case, then we'll see U.S. long-end bond yields to, to go even higher from here. So some of the things to consider as an equity investor, also if you're considering expanding your, your exposure to equities, valuations are above the historical average. We have right now a, a sort of a, a neutral situation between cyclicals and defensive. So the cyclical and defensive sectors, there's no clear rotation yet in the market. And that's also why... Based on that, that I'm I'm not really strongly opinionated yet. I'm leaning towards a more defensive approach. We've said that on the podcast a couple of times. If we get a breakout of the cyclicals, then obviously we can talk about us changing our tactical view on equities. So for now, we're still maintaining 
the defensive approach here. So that's consumer stable, healthcare, energy, and utilities. The, I think the big the big joker, and that's one of the things I talk about in the in the in the equity in the equity um, research note is generative AI. So the very famous McKinsey report is saying that if you couple generative AI with automation tools, potentially we could see somewhere between 0.2 and 3.3 percentage point increase to productivity growth. I think the productivity growth is super interesting because it's long-term one of the most important things for the economy, but also for the equity market. The 1950s and 60s and the 1995 to 2005 period had productivity growth somewhere between 2.5 and 2.7% annualized, according uh, estimated by the U.S. Economic Bureau. The period post the great financial crisis, so from you know uh, 2010 to at the end of 2018, productivity growth was around 0.9%. So that's a sharp reduction there. Obviously, that was also, it went hand in hand with the low interest rate environment. If you take the period 2019 until now, we 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 much higher on the on the um, on the productivity growth. I think we are someone around 1.7 percent annualized, and the latest reading is 4.3 percent annualized in the previous quarter, which is the highest reading in 13 years. If you sort of exclude the um, the rebound in the after the lockdowns, which obviously had an unusual um, and you know an unusual peak there in productivity growth, but that's sort of a you can call it a fake data point because it's not really something that we can. We can uh, we can use for very much. So, I think if you think about it long term here, if generative AI coupled with automation technology takes us back to the 1950s and 60s productivity boom, and you have 2.7% annualized productivity boom, then you add 0.8% growth in the U.S. labor force, which has been the long term trend since like 2003, then you get roughly to 2. Uh, sorry 3.5% real GDP growth in the U.S. in such a productivity boom decade. And then if you add in, let's say, 3% annualized inflation because of reshoring, green transformation, disruptive weather patterns on food prices, etc., then you, you get to a nominal growth rate of 6.5%. Well, then I don't think we can talk about having uh, U.S. Uh, long-in long or 10-year yields at, um, at the current level. So food for thought there. Um, the last topic, ADN. They have an investor day today at, se- uh, at 1930 or you know, half past seven uh, evening, uh, European time, CET. Um, the stock is down 60% from the uh, from the peak in early August. Um, August saw a big miss on on, uh, on volume and a big miss on its EBIT uh, margin. And it was uh, due to the company um, basically overhiring in the North American market. Um, there was a slowdown. And it was really at odds with the uh, mid, uh, the medium term, forecast and targets the company had both for uh, for revenue growth but also EBIT margin so and the the, the management team managed obviously uh, the situation not obviously but they did handle it horribly uh, in the media it this was a management team that had been living a quiet life on the Amsterdam stock exchange since the uh, since since the IPO and um, and now uh, you know everything <laughs> everything went uh, uh, into chaos and you know, the management was very silent. They said, oh, we're going to have this investor day in November the 8th. It's a long time since the the big hiccup. And in the meantime, Worldline, a French-based payments company, which is in the same industry, reported a, a miss and a lower guidance on revenue. And it just made all the investors in the payments industry really question, what is the long-term 
growth rates of the payments industry. So I think, and the reason why we talk about ADN is that it's one of the largest payments companies here in Europe, is an important growth company, it's part of the AEX index, so the most important companies in, in the Netherlands. It's a huge client base of, of, uh, of Saxo, we have a lot of Dutch clients, so this is obviously an important company. And, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, for you as investors, you know, ADN is part of the payments industry, so PayPal and um, Block, the former former Square, um, and it was one of the, the one of the darlings, one of the darlings industries during the uh, the pandemic uh, trading frenzy period, and um, have come down a lot since then. So it's something we're going to watch and um, see how that unfolds. But um, I think I already I talked enough. Uh, I hope it was not too boring. So um, yeah, I, I mean, some of the things to think about is you know. Oil demand, electric vehicles. Think about Tesla and that market share. The market of the competition is really, uh, really heating up there. Um, are we getting a recession or not? Think about it. Um, next six to nine months are going to be super crucial. I will obviously be writing more equity notes than which you can find and read on the trading platform or analysis.saxo. And then for those of you out there that are interested in the payments industry or own shares in ADN, watch the investor day today. And that's at the uh, Half past, se- half past seven this, af- this evening in Europe CET time. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with commodities.